Hey, this is Clint Byers. Thanks for listening to our podcast. I had an idea to chat with people who are connected with our ministry from all around the world. And I'm calling these conversations with gospel influencers. These are people that have ministries in their countries or regions or even churches. And I thought it would be good for you guys to have an opportunity to hear from them and recognize that the gospel is the same no matter where people are. So sit back, relax, and enjoy these conversations. So I am here with Pastor George Odero of Forward Church in Kenya. Woohoo! <laughs> and Leah is off to the side there. You didn't get to see her. And uh, are the kids with you or are they somewhere else? No, they're, they're somewhere else. They're not somewhere else. else. Yeah. So tell me, tell me your kids' names and ages. Yeah, um, the first one is Xavier. He is uh, eight years old. Wow, and eight then, already. Yeah. And then Clint, who is uh, five years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, then Brianna is uh, two years old. Yeah. Bri- Brianna, that's her name? Yeah. Okay. She's two. Yeah. Wow. Brianna is three. I'm being reminded Brianna is three. She's three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that is that Leah correcting you in the background there? Yeah, yeah that's Leah correcting me. <laughs> if you wanted to, uh, you would have to probably mute the audio of the Facebook feed, but there are some people in there chatting. A couple of people are saying hello already <clears throat> from uh, North Georgia, Canada, and Oregon. Pastor Rudy out in, uh, I need to connect you with Rudy out in uh, the Portland area, out in Oregon. He's awesome. You should uh, watch some of his messages and likewise there, uh, Rudy. You've probably heard me talk about George, but uh, so you, we, you know, I, I guess let's do this because you and I, you know, we chat often. We sometimes video chat. We've been with each other. Some of the other people that I've interviewed, I don't, I didn't know them quite as well. And so it was kind of introductory, but because we know so much about each other, you know, this, this will be kind of the first time now you've shared about yourself and how we met in, um, in our church, you preached and you've, of course, you've been so gracious on Facebook and made lots of posts about that. But for this particular audience, this may be the first time some, some of these people watching will hear the story. So, you know, maybe for about 10 minutes or so we can chat about how that happened. So first off I'll start and then you can kind of fill in the gaps Back in, well, you have to tell me the year. Was it 2012? 2011. 2011. So 2011, I, you know, so my wife and I had started our church. We started Forward Church in 08. And we had a friend from um, Bible College, Teresa June Webb, who had started the ministry, Desert Rose Ministries over in, in Kenya. And so I went over there to help her minister to the people up on Mount Paca in remote um, Pocot, you know, tribal land, which you have now connected with them. And, and if, you're, if you're watching this and you're unfamiliar with, you know, some of our, our visits to Kenya and, and that part of Africa, go to our YouTube channel and watch the testimonies from that Pocot missions trip because the miracles were insane nothing like i've ever seen before and god did such a work there and put those people so deeply in my heart that i I love those people and i'm you know i'm looking forward to going back and seeing them and 
they send me messages and they send messages through you, George and other people. And so, you know, they're, they're near and dear to my heart, but in ministering to them, I also spoke in a couple of churches while I was over there. And one of them was a meeting. I forget the name of the meeting. And so I'm, I'm sitting there in the front row in this plastic lawn chair that that's what they had in the churches set up and I'm getting ready to, to preach. And here comes this guy and he kneels down in front of me and he shows me his phone and he's got a comment on his phone from my wife. And he's looking at me with this giant smile on his face. As you see, you know, that, that, that smile you're seeing there. <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on here? Who is this guy? And why is he talking to my wife? Well, so that's where your part of the story comes in. And I know you've told it a bunch of times, but so, so from that point, how did you get there? <laughs> yeah. Um, I used to, I was in Nairobi and, uh, I'd been introduced to the message of grace through, uh, the teaching of uh, Andrew Womack um, when I was back in Oyugi. So I went to Nairobi and uh, I couldn't uh, listen to something that was like what I heard from Andrew Womack when I had him teaching on the true nature of God, which I also just heard from someone's house uh, through someone's TV. So I wanted to find something that uh, was close to that. And then uh, I stumbled into Jim Richards uh, through internet. Up until that time, I had not even touched a computer myself. I didn't know how to. <laughs> yeah. So my wife, uh, who was still my girlfriend at that time, she was in college. Um, uh, she taught me how to get into a computer and uh, uh, look at things. So I could go there and uh, listen to Jim Richards. So, and then it was, it was very expensive. So I couldn't take uh, so much time there. And then uh, somebody told me in Nakuru that there is going to be a conference uh, with a preacher from Jim Richards ministry. And <laughs> this preacher is coming from South Africa. And then uh, he told me that you do whatever you can do to attend that conference. I said, I, I, will, I will come there. So I, I was trusting God to be able to go to that conference. I did everything that I could. And then uh, at that time, Leah had already put me on Facebook. So she showed me that uh, somebody had sent me a message on Facebook. Uh, actually, it was something she posted on my wall. So I looked at it, and that was Sarah. And wow. Sarah was my Facebook friend. I can't remember how we became friends on Facebook, but we had never talked before. And out of nowhere, she just wrote that. And uh, she said, um, my, my husband is coming to Kenya. She will, he will be in Nakuru. He'll be speaking at a, free, uh, at a certain conference in Nakuru. And uh, I sense that uh, God is going to speak to you and minister to you in this conference. <laughs> and uh, I that was great. But uh, actually, I'm preparing to go to Nakuru but it, it's going to be a short time because uh, I'm just going there and then I'm come, I will be coming back. And uh, it just happens that uh, this conference that I'm going to runs at the same time with, the, with, the, with your husband's conference. So sorry, I'm not going to be able to see him. So <laughs> she asked me, yeah, so that's how we talk. 
and then uh, uh, she asked me about that conference and I told him it was sounding like the same conference but I told him no this one the, the preacher is coming from South Africa so that was hmm. the I wonder, I wonder yeah. how that got uh, that got confused in the information yeah. there maybe somehow yeah that's right yeah so that's how it happened so now when I came it was a freedom by grace conference at uh, the church freedom fellowship church that was past, was pastored by pastor Toet. that's how I came to oh that was there. one of his churches I didn't realize that was yeah. one of his churches okay yeah that's right yeah so small world indeed. I don't have time to go to your husband's conference because I'm going to your husband's conference. <laughs> and so then, yeah. um, but you must have stayed longer because you came to what well, now you came. So that was the, that was the nighttime session. And then we were doing the conference at Tewet's church after that. That's right. Yeah. That's and right. So, yeah. And so you must have yeah. decided yeah. to stay longer for that conference. That's right, because we, we just came to this conference, which was in a, a different place. Mm -hmm. And then I was told that the real conference now is, is going to uh, Pastor Towets. Now, when we were in this place, you remember, we finished with the uh, uh, Holy Spirit baptism, something like that. Yep, Those yep. people are filled with the Spirit, and people are filled with the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, no, I mean, I didn't have, I, I had not made arrangements of how to stay there longer. So I talked to uh, David and the other friends there, and they said, no, you can stay as long as you want. And I said, no, <laughs> I, I actually really want to stay until the end of this. So that's how I was able to come to wow. Pastor Tawetsa. Yeah. yeah. You know, that, you know that's just, it's just interesting to watch God move in those types of pieces like that, you know, and, and, and we, he, he will and I almost even hesitate to use this term, but he will control our lives if we'll let him, you know, if we won't let him, if we don't operate with him and follow him, then we end up in all types of trouble or just less than what he wants for us. But, you know, he, he's, he knows what he's doing <clears throat> because everything that's happened since then is, um, you know, well, to God be all the glory. God obviously gets all the credit, but along the way, and there, well, there is no, but, we just got to be used of him along the way. And so, you know, we'll, we'll just kind of briefly touch on because I think it would be good to capture this, but so from there, you just kind of started growing in the message and stepping out into the ministry. You didn't even really feel called to the ministry and we maintained relationship online and had conversations and reconnected when I would come back over there. And well, I guess that wasn't until after, so maybe maybe kind of fill in the gaps of what it was like up to the starting of the church and describe the stepping into the pastoral ministry. Yeah. So the first thing is that um, you know when I when I got saved and uh, I tried to fit into church, it was not working for me because uh, for me I I ran away from home when I was in primary six. I dropped out of school and ran away from home and uh, started living the street life. And uh, the street life, which for those that don't know, I mean, it's, it's very much like it is here, street life. So like, so basically like a runaway, we would call, even though you had parents and you had a relationship with them, kind of, you were out living on the streets, doing drugs, 
things like that. So basically okay. what we would call in the States here, a runaway, a kid that runs away and, you know, falls into the wrong crowd. That was you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, I was out there, uh, doing drugs and because we, uh, we were not, I didn't have money. Uh, we were getting high on cheap drug. Like, uh, we could, uh, take petrol and sniff petrol, sniff glue and, um, maybe swallow things that we didn't know. Maybe mm. um, coming to learn later that uh, some of them were cocaine wrapped in there. Oh, so wow. there was just so much. Yeah, so, and uh, street life here is not easy because you don't have a shelter. I mean, you, you sleep on, on rocks, uh, in caves, on the street. And uh, so I was used to this kind of life. And uh, then uh, later on in life, uh, uh, I decided I wanted to get saved because in the street we could hear the gospel being preached by street mm. preachers. I mean, those people stand in the corner of the road and they preach. So I could, uh, I heard the gospel many times. Sometimes we could be involved in a street fight and uh, things were happening to me. I mean, I have been tied and set on fire. Wow. They put uh, a car tire in me and they were just about to to, to ban me. I mean, that's how they punish people who steal. And uh, somebody just came and rescued me. I've been thrown into the into the lake in Lake Victoria twice at night, deep in the in the lake, and left to die. Oh and God goodness. helped me, and I swam. So every time that God saved me from something like that, I would go, even though I'm not saved. I would go and kneel down and pray to God, and uh, and confess my sins. And uh, wow. but I was not saved. Yeah. So later on. Um, I decided to walk into a, a church office. It was not even church, but a church office. And I asked them if they could save me. And uh, the pastor asked me why I wanted to get saved. And uh, uh, to cut the long story short, that's how I was led to Christ. Uh, I, I get saved. And now I joined this church. So we are coming from church and I'm trying to reform my life. I worked uh, my ways back to school and uh, I live in the forest and I go to school. So I go wow. to school. When I come back, I don't have anywhere to, to stay. Um, I actually shared my testimony with the, with the pastor. I asked him if I could sleep at the church compound, but they were afraid of me for, for good reasons. So <laughs> I would still go and, and, uh, and live, stay in the cave or in the forest, something wow. like that. I really wanted my life to change. I wanted to please God. And uh, I had... Uh, problems with temper and, and stuff like that. And the Christian life was not working for me. So I was praying a lot and, and fasting a lot. And uh, the leaders felt that I was very spiritual. They made me a youth leader. But inward, I was really having this burden. I didn't have peace in my heart. So I just decided to step down from youth leadership and uh, to quit going to church. So when I had quit going to church, that's when I stumbled into Andrew Womack talking about the true nature of God. And um, from that point is uh, when I come and so to how, And so how old were you at that point? At that point, I, I, was, I was about, uh, I think I was 28. Okay. Um, yeah. So you yeah. had a lot, of, uh, a lot of time there where you were, you know, really out there living crazy and on drugs and then yeah, maybe yeah, in yeah, a, right. it, so the church that you were in was it a 
you know, kind of a more legalistic church. Cause I've seen some of the churches in, in Kenya and there's a lot of, yeah. a lot of focus on the, the enemy and curses and God, yeah. you know, God yeah. seeking yeah. to punish you because of your behavior and a lot of legalism, you know, that that's very common over there here too, but yeah. especially there. Yeah. That's what works here because, you know, it really fits in with our traditional African beliefs whereby mm. you have to appease the spirits. So if church also come, came in with the doctrine of a, a God who is short-tempered and you, you, just, you just have to appease him, so it really fits in. Wow. And so, yeah, so that's what goes on in churches. That's why when I heard the true nature of God, I, 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 I just stopped everything, church. I said, this is different. So I started mm. preaching to, to my friends and they were getting it. So I, I also talked to my girlfriend that is clear about it. And she was like, yeah, this makes sense. And uh, so I come to Nairobi and I'm looking for something that sounds like what Andrew uh, taught. I actually mm. prayed and, and fasted. And then now I'm introduced to the internet and that's how I, I, I stumbled into Jim Richards. So that is, that is all I could hear. Go listen to Jim Richards, and it was not even full sermons. It was just introductions of a sermon, and uh, the sermons were not free. So I could just listen to the free part, and that's all. So, wow. And also it was costing money, and I didn't have money. Uh, so I could go there, stay there maybe 10 minutes or 20 minutes, uh, once in a week, and that was my church. Until now, uh, this message comes in, and I come to meet you, and then the last day of your conference, when you said that now we are get, going to get into impartation session, whereby you are going to, we are going to minister one to another. And you mm. told people just to find someone, lay your hands on someone, um, minister to them, prophesy over them as the spirit leads you. And I remember when I came there and you laid your hands on me and you began talking about how God is going to use me and that God is going to uh, use me in the ministry of, of preaching the gospel, which I, I was already doing. Yeah. But uh, since I had quit church and uh, I was always back and forth, I mean, going, following, going forward towards the Lord, and then also being drawn back to these things. And at that time, my life was in so much shambles. I had never shared with any pastor. I mean, I didn't trust pastors. Um, so the way you received me and the way you spoke to me made me feel like yeah this could be god speaking to me and but then uh, i was uh, struggling with, with with these issues in my life and then you you prophesied about how how god will use me uh, both at home and abroad and uh, just said amen uh, but uh, i was struggling to believe it at that time so that was uh, <laughs> 2011 and then you went back to the U.S. I also went back to Nairobi. And uh, it took uh, two months. And then you sent me a message. And then I think I started opening up to you. And I started revealing to you things about my life and uh, how I don't think God can use me. And uh, that's how um, you began talking to me and counseling and, and helping me until now. I came to a place where I could... Uh, have boldness once again. I mean, it was just like a healing process. And I think it took, it took months throughout that uh, 2011. 
so that uh, in 2012, Leah and I got married, and you know everything that was going on at right, that time. Right, right. Then, yeah, yeah. So then <laughs> in 2013, um, we moved from where we were. So in this time now, uh, from that conference, my and and uh, actually now in 2012, when I felt like the Lord had really cleared a lot of things in my heart, and uh, we got into uh, much preaching at the train. This is when we started seeing tangible results. Um, people getting saved in the train. Uh, at first I was preaching in the train and it was like hitting the wall, but God was just giving me the courage to just just keep pounding the word. And uh, I remember this scripture used to come to me that my word is like a hammer that destroys a rock into pieces. So wow. just keep hitting. So when it comes so the, to the, so uh, the train the train ministry because I want you know I want kind of people to get a picture of something like that. It's like yeah. uh, so it's like the subway, <clears throat> or uh, you know I mean everybody knows what a train is, but over there there's a lot of people have to take the train. It's probably the primary long distance uh, for that particular area, long distance transportation, and some of those train rides are couple of hours right and so you would take a train ride up a long distance and then take the train back just to preach the gospel it wasn't like you were going to work and yeah. you decided to preach on the way you legitimately started technically a ministry where you would go and get up very early go get on the train and preach the gospel for hours all day long up and back while people are getting on and getting off and and that, that's other people do that, but with a very legalistic message and you brought the gospel message and, and there's just so much to talk about and go through. There's no way that we would be able to capture all of this. But I, I think I remember that even some people that got saved or heard the gospel through your ministry at that time, then started to come to your church and they've become pastors and, you know, the fruit from that has been incredible. So I, I just want people to understand we're not talking about you jump on the subway and you ride a 30 minute ride and you tell people couple people about Jesus. We're talking, you stand up. And I think Courtney went with you one time when he was there, right? Didn't Courtney go with you? <laughs> and you, you've got a captive audience and you stand up with your Bible and you are preaching to these people who may or may not really want to hear what you're talking about. So yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the, the, my whole ministry began at the train because wow. the, I was here in Nairobi and at, at that time I was uh, living in the, in the slum. Um, my house was a, a 10 by 10 small place there. There was nothing in that house, no, no bed, no blanket, mm. no stove, and full, no full, full of, yeah, no toilets and full of sickness yeah, and disease, right. you know, what is yeah. it? Is it typhoid and malaria or HIV? I guess HIV and AIDS is really bad in those particular communities if you want to call it a community yeah so so this this night i was lying on the floor and i was very hungry um and i prayed to god um then i just took my bible uh, and this bible is uh, something that i believed for for six months to, wow. to own one so i take this bible and i opened it and it opened at psalms chapter one that says blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor mm. stands on the way of sinners, nor sits on the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of God, and in his word he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by the riverside, whose leaves shall not wither, 
and um, which brings us also fruit in its se in its season, and whatever he does shall the prosper. And when I read prosper. that, it, it was like boom in my heart, because wow. at that time I I had believed that I am an unemployable, that nobody can employ mm. me because I don't yeah. have papers and all those kind of things. And this, this verse just says that if you will meditate on the word of God, if you will take it to your heart then whatever you do shall prosper. Wow. So I say, God, I'm going to sleep now and tomorrow I will wake up and get out there and do whatever and it will prosper. So I get up and I go and I'm walking and I'm just saying, God, I know you'll control me. I know you will lead me. And I was just like, oh, I'm just, just, just praying in the spirit and walking. And then the train comes and I just felt like the Lord is saying, get in here. And I got in there and yeah, so this is where your whatever begins. So preach. Wow. <laughs> and I began preaching there. So as we preach, we preach to passengers who are on their way to their workplaces. Mm -hmm. Some of them are business people. Some of them are employed. But the train uh, in Nairobi is the means of transport, especially for people who cannot afford a bus ride. So the train, because in the train, some people sit down, some people hang on, on uh, yeah, so it's so that's how it started. We started preaching there. It was difficult. And then people started getting saved. And then people started getting organized. And right now, we, it's a church that has, uh, begins with the praise and worship. There's a leader of the service. Uh, there's a, there's a, a schedule on who is to preach. And it's just uh, 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 some discipleship material that we just developed. And God has done great things. People have been saved right in the train. Wow. through our preaching and today they are pastors of three or two churches yeah wow somebody who on a sunday he has three churches he goes preaches in this preaches in another one and and like that so we have seen fruits that uh, god has brought uh, just from the train and uh, you remember when we got married now i was living in this train area and god says now live you go to Ongata Rongai, and mm -hmm. there's no ministry in Ongata Rongai for us. We have never been there before. So uh, we go to Ongata Rongai, and Leah and I are there. And then God speaks to us and tells me to go to street people. I mean, like people where people are living a life like the one I came from. Mm -hmm. uh, people are doing drugs and all sorts of things. So we go there in this area of Rongai where people smoke and sniff and fight and all those kind of things. So I call them into these uh, places where um, they serve uh, tea and all those kind of things. So I buy tea for them. While they drink, I open my Bible and we start Bible study. <laughs> and uh, we do that, there is, they are smoking marijuana, they are, they are smoking stuff and, and all that. And we are just doing Bible study. And then three of them get saved. When they wow. get saved, we take them out of that place. We bring them to my house and we start Bible study in my house. And uh, when we started that, they go and uh, they call other people. They call uh, their wives, their friends, and the house was full. Until now, we started doing monthly conferences. Uh-oh. <clears throat> the uh, connection may be bad where he is. It'll probably come back in. We'll just give it a second here. <clears throat> so people started asking for a church and uh, I, I, I lost you for a second there, but I think we, um, <clears throat> the, the, your, your image froze, but you were, 
you were kind of wrapping up the thing about people coming to the small group that you started and yeah. they were doing drugs and you were just preaching the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. So where yeah, so, keep going there. Yeah. So three people got saved from that group. We took them out of the group. We stopped going to the group anymore. We started concentrating on these three people, just mm. bringing them to my house and mm -hmm. uh, discipling them. And then they started calling others, their wives, their friends, and, and all that. So they were coming. And uh, these are just unbelievers coming, and we are doing Bible study. And uh, after a few weeks, some of them get saved. So pastors began getting interested in what was coming. So you know what was happening in, the, in this place because some of right. their members were coming to these conferences. We came to a place where we could have like 70 people uh, coming for the conferences so, so that we were hiring, renting a hall where we could do our conferences. So uh, out of that, we started pastors training. Training pastors, but ourselves, we are and, not even And you weren't even... <laughs> <laughs> I remember that you would tell me stories of people, you know, these pastors yeah. came and they're telling me that they want me to come pastor their church or they want to come study with us for three yeah. months and then go back to their church or, you know, just incredible yeah, stories. Yeah. 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 So that was in 2012. And then in 2013, uh, someone writes me a letter that in from India telling me that uh, God is asking them to, yeah. for me to go and preach to them. And I tell them, no, I, for me to go to India, I will need to board an aeroplane. But I've never even seen a, a, an aeroplane very close to me. I've never even touched <laughs> one. I cannot afford that kind of a ministry. Then this person says, well, I was, told, I was told that I had two weeks to die. And then I went to the mountain and prayed to whichever God is there. And Jesus appeared to me and healed me. And wow. he told me that uh, he will teach me the gospel. So the Jesus who healed me will give you money to come to India. So <laughs> no. <laughs> don't you just love it when people are full of faith like that and it's so challenging, but you're like, I can't argue with that. I can't, how can I argue yeah, with that? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. So that's what happened. And uh, I started going to India. I mean, right. And you've been yeah. three times now? No, it started in July, 2013. Okay. So how that happened is just, I just posted on Facebook that uh, somebody from India invited me and uh, I've never done anything like this. If mm -hmm. God is putting in your heart, you can support me. And uh, people gave and they gave enough to buy my air ticket uh, to and from India. And that's how I went. So after we went in July, um, my first preaching was uh, in a Buddhist temple. Um, and, and God saved the, the, the priest. And oh, wow. Things were happening. Yeah. And, and people got converted so that when we came back, the Indians now themselves paid for my airfares to go back the same year in December. Wow. And uh, now from that time, God has been taking me there through different ways. You remember Forward Church has given. Uh, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we sent some of those little booklets over there. I think uh, even contributed yeah, toward yeah. the trips. And good God, good news. Yeah. So we've been going there every year uh, since 2013. Yeah. It's only okay. easier than gone. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Right. Yeah. And so then it came time for you to start your church. 
And, you know, I, I remember that. I remember, I remember being in my office. I remember when I sent that first message and just kind of asking, because in my heart, I, you know, it was, it's, it's interesting, you know, and this is, this is so true of people watching too. you know, learn a lesson from this because here you have a, a young man that was discrediting himself, but God had huge plans. And, you know, we haven't even really scratched the surface yet of what you guys are doing now in your ministry. But I remember that first message, of course, we'd been corresponding for years at this point, but that first message, I remember thinking, okay, it's time for him to start a church, but Lord show me how to present this message in such a way where it's, it's his, it's not me saying thus saith the Lord, but it's, Hey, what do you think about this? Or, you know, a little bit of a poke or prompt. Um, do you, you remember that message? You may, you may remember it a little bit more clearly. I don't know, but, but I remember specifically thinking, all right, it's time. It's time. So let's, let's have the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, so you, in that message, you asked me something like, uh, Hey, George, what do you think about organizing your group? And, uh, I was like, organization, what, what do you mean? So you told me like, okay, you're, you're already doing it. You're already discipling people. Uh, they are coming and, and they're going out there, but what if you could just organize them and, uh, maybe you want to think of something like a church or, and I said, no, if church, no, I just, <laughs> you said, yeah. I'm not a pastor. Said, I'm not a pastor. And I remember specifically, you said, I'm not a pastor. And I'm like, if, yeah. if this guy's not a pastor, nobody's a pastor. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so then, you know, then you, then, then I guess it made sense to you and you got the confirmation from the Lord and, you know, maybe yeah. <clears throat> unless there's something else that you want to say about that, maybe yeah. tell a little bit about how you how you actually got the accreditation through the government because it's very difficult to do that you didn't want to be under another uh existing denomination and you felt yeah. that it was go for your own which is nearly impossible yeah. because the government had stopped issuing i think those types of papers so maybe you know tell a little bit about that yeah, the way that churches work here, I don't know about America, but the way that they work here is that uh, there's that big church there, that is the mother church, with these smaller churches down here. So these churches that are down here... And, and the, the, so the government, the bigger churches somehow have... So here, anybody can start a church, but to be non-profit status, in other words, people to be able to give to it and, and it'd be a tax deduction... you have to apply to the government and they grant you, but the government itself doesn't have a say so over your beliefs or your structure or your organization. It's more of a, it's, they're just concerned about the the financial end of it, but it's different there. The government is a little bit more involved in the authority of a church. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, church organization is whereby um, the smallest church here, the small churches here, they suffer a lot. So if you want to start a church, you have to go and connect yourself to another existing church. And um, then uh, you serve there and they give you conditions and it's a lot of laws. And you are not free to believe anything different from what they teach. And then you are supposed to organize people 
uh, financially. I mean, you, you need to get messages of getting money out of people that can go up, up there. And it's not something that helps the people themselves. So that mm. by the time that, uh, yeah, so it's a lot of, um, so you compare that with the message of the new covenant that I was exposed to. You, I was not finding anywhere that I could attach this to. So that's the, the main reason why I didn't want to, to join myself, to become a church, because of what it takes to become a church. And uh, then a door opened uh, through David Remy, uh, who wedded us, who is old, already a bishop, mm. and who is exposed to the message of grace. And uh, he, could, uh, he knew what I have learned, and he mm -hmm. could help me through school and uh, all that. And then I told you the, what it could take and, and all these things, uh, like paperwork. And uh, you, you sent me the funds to do the paperwork. And uh, we did the paperwork, uh, uh, the legal requirements, so that uh, we now wanted to register my church. And uh, at that time, you also uh, forward church, uh, Georgia uh, sent me uh, money that you said now you can either go and rent a place where people can meet and you can be paying this house rent uh, in bits or you can buy a place and, and, and uh, just see what, how the Lord will lead you and it was a lot of money I never had uh, money like that yeah. ever but uh, yeah, I just told you what it, it, would, it would take and you sent it over. And uh, we went and rented a place and uh, built church. So when we rented a place, you, I told you that what it would take to build church and you mm -hmm. sent some more so that uh, we built, uh, we had, we, we, we now had our own building. Uh, that was a very good building. Actually, it really shocked us. I mean, no church has ever started like this. I mean, so... <laughs> Well, because yeah. now did you did you shortcut <clears throat> about the the government passing and you getting the registration, or were you getting to that? Because that was a miracle in and of itself, really. How how quickly yeah. the fact that it got passed, and then also how quickly it happened. Yeah. yeah, first of all, we got the papers because at this time we were already getting problems from uh, from organized churches with mm -hmm. our meeting, and now we needed the papers just to say. To be secure and to be allowed to do our meetings without being suspected as an outlawed sect. Or okay, I guess I guess that happens a lot, huh? People try to start churches over there, and it's and it's um yeah 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 a scam. And it turns out to, to some some sect that even uh, involves in uh, killing people and stuff like that. Oh wow! So, yeah, yeah. So we we wrote uh, we wrote our. Um, whatever you call them, the doctrine and, and statement of faith and- Bylaws, they of call things. them here, yeah. Bylaws and, and all that, yeah. And then we got our registration. Now that was not easy to happen, but God was just doing things. But now when the, the, the place where we had, we had the biggest trouble was when we went to such a name, because at that time in our conferences, I was using the name uh, Grace, Grace and Truth. Grace and Truth, yes. Yeah. So, um, I went to register Grace and Truth Ministries because you told me, yeah, Grace and Truth. So I, I talked to certain bishops um, 
Is it? I, I think you're on a delay. Can you hear me? Yeah, I think it's delaying now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry. Well, <clears throat> just keep going and we'll, we'll figure it out. Maybe it'll catch oh, yeah. up. Uh, yeah. So, um, I, we go uh, to register this and then we find that uh, someone else had already registered it. We tried a different name and someone else already did that. And we tried that severally. We tried to change words. We tried to change names until I said, okay, now what, what we are going to do, I'm going to ask Pastor Clint if he can allow me to use the name Forward Ministries. <laughs> uh, because I know, yeah. I know that you cannot find a name like that in in Kenya in Africa. Wh which it's actually is and it's actually the um, to, to really show something in the Bible, like maybe revival, redeemed the blood. We have another delay here. What I was going to say is. Um, I think it's the Kenya national motto, forward ever, backward never, if I'm not mistaken, which I love and I've used since then. But all right, well, <clears throat> let's see if it gets caught up, if, he, if his internet catches up. Kenya or Africa in general is notorious. Oh, I think we lost him, but <clears throat> okay, there we go. Okay. You're back. Sorry. That's okay. I was just I was just saying uh, for people that are still watching that the internet it's it's like rural areas here it's uh, you're in remote areas it's difficult to have so anyway um, is it on a delay or are you hearing me in real time do you think can you say that again is it on a delay or are you hearing me in real time it, it seems like it's real time now yeah for me. From you, it's real time. I don't know how it is when I speak to you. It is. I don't know if you... okay. No, it is. It seems immediate now. It, it started to lag. Okay. But anyway, we're, we're back on track now. So okay. um, I'm trying to remember where you stopped. And, you know, I mean, it's good to go back through all of that. And it, it's, you know, I, I kind of forget about some of those details. And because you just, yeah. you know, you just follow God and then you trust and then you you let, um, you let the fruit be what it is, you know? And so we've, since all of this has been established, um, did you have something else you wanted to say in that before we maybe move on yeah. to, the, okay. Yeah. yeah, so so we didn't, uh, we didn't find a name and then I come to you and I ask you, uh, Pastor, what about if we just use uh, Ford Ministries as, as your ministry in the US? Mm -hmm. And you say, well, I have no problem because, uh, you, you just want me to be able to share what is in my heart. So, yeah. So when you said that, we went back and uh, forward ministries and that, that is how it happened. And that's mm -hmm. how we became forward church. Yeah. So the, and I think I, I was saying this, maybe you were cut off at the time, but isn't the Kenya national motto forward ever, backward never? Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's our motto. Forward ever, backward never. <laughs> which I love that. I found yeah. that out standing on top of Mount Paca overlooking yeah. the crater 
after having hiked up with Amuru and and a couple of those other guys, they uh, I think I actually had a shirt that said something about forward on it, and they told me about it at that point, and it just seemed so providential, you know. I'm standing here. Of course, they were telling me, you're the first white person to ever hike Mount Paca, because back now I think there's geological surveys going on up there in this crater. It's incredible. I'm sure there had been other white people up there, and who cares what color they are anyway, but it felt like a big deal. You know, it felt like, now this is special. This is a special moment. These are people that, that you will continue to help. And, you know, so maybe um, <clears throat> just the pocket thing for a moment, which you're not, you're not as involved there as I'm sure you would like to be because it's so far from you and it's expensive to get there. And, and the need is so great, but um, you know, these people live in the middle of nowhere. They were marginalized in the, British colonization about 250 years ago, and they've just lived in these areas. And because of the tribal fighting, they're out there. And, you know, I, I found out that the way that Kenyans and not you, but in general, Kenyans typically view these people as, you know, like here in the States, we would view them as, you know, uneducated, backward people that are living primitively up in the hills of Tennessee making moonshine or something like that. You know, they're kind of looked down upon. They don't look at them as we do here in terms of, you know, Americans like to look at Africans and feel sorry for Africans <laughs> and give money and feel good about themselves, you know. And it's kind of like over there, those people have been marginalized and nobody really tries to reach out to them because they're kind of outcast. I mean, am I correct in that? Is that a fair yeah, assessment you would say? Yeah. 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 And so, you know, because of Teresa first making the contact and God bless her for that and the work that she's done there, but then also opening the door for, you know, you to continue to go up there and honoring what's hap happened and continuing to happen. And, and of course, other, there's a couple other churches and Water Mission International, but maybe from your perspective, from a Kenyan perspective, you know, to describe what it was like when you went up there, what you experienced, how you felt, the ministry that happened. And, you know, I don't know if we have time, we can talk a little bit about <clears throat> what it looks like going forward to continue to minister because, you know, there are people watching this that might want to participate and support in the work that's being done over there. And again, you know, if you're new to this aspect of our ministry here at Forward Church, whether it be Georgia or Kenya, um, we have a heart for these people and feel called to help them progress in their education. They have no schools, they have no running water, they have no reliable food source, they, their shelter is sticks, literally, they live in the dirt, they're in the middle of, you know, if they, if to have clean, well, which is one thing that Water Mission International and Teresa and Cove Church in Alabama did was raise the funds and put in the work to drill a borehole so they could have water, which they've had issues with over and over and over. Uh, so, you know, they hike four five, six hours a day round trip to go get water that's full of disease and animals bathe in it. And, and so you, you went there and, and a few times now we've bought food and we've sent, you know, you were able to buy a camel and they slaughter the camel and they get so happy when they, can have a meal like that, you know, but, but ministry wise, from a Kenyan perspective, what was it like going there? And then, you know, I guess just talk a little bit about what the ministry is like up there. Yeah. Um, 
Well, for me, I didn't think that uh, there is something uh, really special about uh, uh, the people at Mount Parker because I've been exposed to other people with other tribes in, in rural villages, uh, the Maasai, Kamba, different uh, clan, uh, I mean, different tribes that have been going to. So when Teresa said that, uh, George, you're going to see what's up there. I was like, ah, no. I don't think I'm going to see anything unusual. Uh, the one thing I know is that Kenyans feared those people because okay. uh, they are cruel. Uh, they they can fight at any time. I mean, we have had they'll kill the people news. To, from coming they up there. They'll people. actually, yeah. I mean, they, they they killed our soldiers. I mean, trained yeah. with with guns. Right. But so yeah. People, so just just. Have, uh, just just so you, those people that are watching this, these particular people, these people that we're talking about, the, gov the Kenyan government, because, so they were fighting with another tribe, these, this particular tribe that we've gone to, and the Kenyan government sent in basically like the police to go up there and yeah. handle and maybe make some arrests or at least try to get a hold of the situation. And they, these people killed these, basically these police officers. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And so you yourself so, were probably a little scared to go there. Yeah, I was. I was scared. But now because uh, Teresa has gone there and we are going uh, with all this team, I said, yeah, let, let's go. And then <laughs> we got there. And when I reached there is when I saw something that I've not seen in other places that I've gone to. I mean, I have seen poverty and... Uh, I've seen sickness and disease and uh, desperate situations, but those people out there, I mean, I've gone to like the Maasai's who live, they have uh, these, uh, they build houses with cow dung and, and all, but these people, they don't, they don't have houses. I mean, they, they, they live in the forest and um, it's just a few old people and, and uh, they, old men and old women and very small children that have some small structures that they can get into. Mm -hmm. The rest of the people just uh, live in the I mean, I walked with people who are naked. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and when you say forest, it's not like a green lush forest with lots of trees and rain. It, it, it's more like the high desert, like what we would call here, yeah. the high desert of Arizona, where it's like dirt, yeah. a little bit of green, very, aggressive acacia bushes with thorns this big. I stepped on a thorn that went through my shoe into my foot when I was out there. And that just uh -huh. came off the tree, you know? Uh, so forest is, yeah. it's more like bush, I guess really is what we would be, yeah. Just have shrubs there. In other places, when I go to other tribes, I preach in Swahili, which is our national language. So even though I'm a Luo and we have uh, 48, uh, different tribes and languages, but we have Swahili as our national language. So even if I go to a place which where people don't speak Luo, I will speak uh, the national language. But mm -hmm. up there in Paka, they don't even know Swahili. Mm -hmm. They are they are just out of all that. They are on their own. They just know their own language. I mean, they don't have schools. Uh, they don't have. I mean, I'm preaching to these people, and I'm and I'm telling them that. Uh, Jesus Christ died on a cross and uh, the, the interpreter says that and they raise their hands and they say they ask what is a cross you know they, they right. have never had yeah anything like a cross before they don't even know what that uh, is yeah they, they don't it, yeah so 
those people, they, they are really... Yeah. I remember I was preaching and I was preaching about Jesus walking across the sea. Yeah. And they were like, what's a sea? And um, so the, the, our interpreter at the time had to explain, because the nearby was Lake Bar Baringo. Yeah. And so I heard him talking about Lake Baringo and then trying to explain that it was much bigger, you know. So yeah, I mean, their, their, their knowledge is minimal. They basically yeah. wake up every day, try to survive, take care of their goats, and they don't even know how old they are. They don't know their birthdays. Yeah, they yeah. birth right out there under those bush, bush, the bushes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's 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 insane. Yeah, I mean, we were there with 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 Teresa, and we were serving uh, medicine and and food. And as we are doing this, we are just hearing um, just next to our tent yeah so someone is giving birth and just like that they're just unbelievable I mean, the, the women go to to fetch water as they carry water as they are coming pray very expectant they, they give birth on the way as they're walking yeah 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 so there was someone who had just given birth the day we were there also and she came over to our our <clears throat> and you feel bad because you're sitting over there plenty of food and you've got your tent and your clothes and you're going back to your nice comfortable home. And this woman came over to our camp where we were that night and she was making kind of a racket and the interpreter was trying to settle her down. And, and we were like, what was going on? And they were like, well, she just gave birth today and she wants water for her baby. And we were like, Oh my goodness. And we took her a big jug, you know, so she could clean him. And uh, so so there's so much work to do up there and we could continue to talk about that. But, um, you know, I look forward to the next trip that I can come over there and, and minister down in the villages with you, but then also go to Paca and depending on who comes with me, um, you know, we'll see what else we do. But so you were in, um, outside of Nairobi in, uh, wrong guy or wrong guy. I don't, I don't have the tongue roll. <laughs> yeah. And you, you felt called to move back to the village, which is near your, your tribal village, if that's how you say it, where your family and land and things like that are. And that, you know, there was some difficulty to make that transition and some travail over that decision. And it wasn't an easy decision. Yeah. And I know that it wasn't because I remember talking to you and it was, you know, it was very hard for you to make that decision. And, and, but you made the decision and it was the right decision and God is blessing what you're doing down there. And so just talk about that now, talk about, so you've got, so you moved down there you moved down there because there were churches that were receptive. You had a building that you could start remodel and start in. There are other churches that you're now beginning to plant out there in the town that you're building your home is also going to be a training center where you can welcome foreign guests, but then also train pastors. And so just kind of describe your vision for what you're doing in the village, the names of the villages, maybe how far the villages are from each other, you know, cause uh, for some reason over here in the States, we're interested in distance. I know that you guys don't care about that over there, but, <laughs> but so yeah, just kind of describe the vision of what you're doing, what God's doing through you now yeah yeah so um so we started our church in uh, rongai and um which is just is, outside uh, of nairobi that is probably yeah. 30 minutes outside of nairobi minutes drive outside the uh, nairobi cbd 
uh, you notice how he day. clarified 30 minutes drive because we don't walk that far here. <laughs> you guys do though. You guys will have people that will walk. In fact, if you have a conference in Africa, in Kenya, and you have a start time set, you're not going to start at that time because people are walking for miles and hours to come, you know, they're walking or they take one of those little tuk-tuks or whatever. But, but anyway, that's just note. I noticed that you said 30 minutes drive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, as we started our church, it was really clear that uh, the message was different and uh, people wanted to get this and, uh, uh, we had many pastors who wanted to come and uh, join our, our ministry uh, because number one thing we were allowing our pastors to to teach and and uh, and just take care of their congregations without any pressures coming from us or anything that they need to give us as uh, from that congregation. So they were just free to to run. Which is that. very unusual, right? That's, I mean, that's yeah. very un unusual there to have that type of arrangement because it's. It can be a very controlling um, structure. Yeah, yeah. So we had like the pastors who come to our conference, they all want to change their, get out of their denominations and become forward. And I talked that with you and you say- Sorry, sorry, to in I'm interrupting again, but so just for people, so people understand, you technically are a bishop of your own denomination regarding yeah. to how the gov the Kenyan yeah. government sees you you are you're at the top yeah. as 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 high as it can get in terms of a religious organization which gives you the right to establish churches and and you're like, I mean there are some bishops in in Kenya that have thousands of churches underneath them right that's right and yeah. and bishops are are always big people i mean they are elderly of age like maybe from 50, 60, something like that. Mm -hmm. And they're big. You know? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. yeah. So then you find this, this young man, I mean, who is there as a bishop. So what we decided to do is that we just don't let people know that. But mm -hmm. uh, okay. people have been asking. Yeah. And uh, Smart. There are other people. Yeah. There are other people who also see Forward Church. Uh, um, on the on facebook the ford church in atlanta georgia and they see pastor clint and they know oh this must be the bishop of ford churches in kenya we'll just so let I them just think that yeah just let them think that so that it frees <laughs> me so yeah yeah because when when you become when you come into that fellowship of bishops there is a way it wants you to live and and mm. also it just puts you away from people in in some way and i i don't like that so, um, so according to the government, I am a bishop with the privileges uh, that, that comes with that. And it's a big thing in Kenya to be in that position. So those who are, those, a few pastors find out that. And when they find out, they want to dissolve their fellowships and make them forward church mm -hmm. because they, yeah, because they know how we do things and uh, how it is just by grace and uh, no controlling. And uh, yeah, so we, we have been really, we decided to go really slow in, uh, in, in uh, naming other churches. Like for example, right now we have over 30 churches that are learning from us that want to be called forward 
that have mm -hmm. worked with us for uh, over two years and we have trained their pastors they have come from us and we we try to do meetings as much as we can but we still have not allowed them yeah to, yeah yeah because you so, you want to you want to protect the integrity of the gospel message and they need yeah, to be trained right. and discipled they need to yeah. you know yeah. step out of the old covenant into the new covenant and you have to be able to trust that they're not yeah. going to abuse their people or put a yoke of bondage back on their people and all those kinds of things yeah yeah so throughout last year god speaks to me and uh, mm -hmm. and confirms it um, about us leaving rongai and uh, coming back to the village uh, which i'm sorry the village is how far now from nairobi and from where the other church is drive yeah from Rongai, it's seven-hour drive. Seven hours. So this is it's a it's a long way away then. Yeah, and yeah. it's very it's rural. We're not so Nairobi, Rongai is city. Um, there's still yeah. poverty there, but the town that you're in is very much uh, rural and yeah. farm farmland, and the homes are cinder blocks and uh you know the, not the, not every home has running water you know it's not like paca but it's still it's much more rural yeah i mean there's there are no running waters in the homes in in, the, in our village uh we go to the river to get uh, water and uh yeah and stuff like that so so even the house that you're in there you're in the house of a, a pastor one of your yeah, one I'm, of your pastors and yes yes so, so there's no running water in that home either. No, they 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 have running water here because they okay. dug they dug a well. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, so this place is called um, Rongo, where I am right Rongo. now. Okay. And my, my village is called uh, Rangwe, but there is no internet back where I'm living. That's why I'm oh, okay. here. Now, so how far is Rongo from Rangwe? Uh, Rongo and Rangwe is a, a thirty-minute drive. Okay. Yeah, so you yeah. still had to drive in. And, and so you're staying in Rongo now because you're building your house in Rongwe. Yes, yes, yes. Um, uh, so so God, God puts this in our hearts and it shows us that now we just have to train our own ministers uh, mm -hmm. because uh, the people that we have sent to other churches, they really get uh, frustrated. And uh, yeah. some of them, uh, they just have to leave ministry and uh, we didn't like that. So we God puts that in our heart and uh, gives us a vision to come and uh, build this home. And uh, I mean, it, it, it's huge. And but we just decided to walk by faith and yeah. do whatever we can do a step at a time. Amen. So yeah. So you know, God God really has a sense of humor because <laughs> he, he takes us from Rongai. It is he says you are going to Rangwe. And uh, we still don't have a house in Rangwe. So we are on our way coming from Rangwe. And we know we need to, to go somewhere else before getting there in Rangwe. And we didn't know until the morning that our things are going to be delivered. We find ourselves in Rongo. So it is Rongai, Rongo, Rangwe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they yeah, all so, sound similar. Yeah, they all sound, sound similar. So... Uh, so we come here, uh, now that's uh, January uh, 2020, we come here 
And once we just settle here and we begin to do things around and trust in God and, and uh, trying to organize uh, the church in Rangwe, then the COVID-19 happens. We hear of coronavirus and then the lockdowns and then people start suffering. So people were, many bad things were happening and uh, we prayed to God and uh, even as we started going through some difficult times, I talked to you about it and God's, God provided uh, for us so that we had food uh, enough for us and even to share with others. So once we started sharing, so we got to this place and people would come, people would come begging and crying and asking for food. So it just came that we started helping out where you, you find people who have gone without food for um, Because the markets days. had closed down and they, <clears throat> they restrict the lockdowns, yeah. That's right, that's right. And uh, now, uh, out of that, a ministry began that we did not foresee. And people started coming, following uh, our churches, and we were providing food. And then God leads us to think like, you know, this may not be sustainable. Hmm. Can we do something so that even when this stops, when this uh, provision stops, uh, these people, we can teach them how to get their own food. Mm -hmm. And we pray to God and God shows us about uh, kitchen garden. And we begin to teach people about that. So we, And, and we that, that's also where uh, Chris and Brittany Libertor come in. That's because right. Which, which I just did an interview with them. And we talked about you in this same project some. So it'll be good to hear. So I talked with them about it. And so it'll be good to hear your description of it. And, and, and him being a Chick-fil-A owner and kind of helping you, you know, so yeah, so keep going. Yeah. Yes. So actually they come in before we leave Nairobi. And yeah. uh, so I, I, I talked to them about uh, this um, sugar cane and uh, I described to them how we, how we can use a uh, sugar cane to, uh, I mean, just get our people, uh, working and, and getting food and stuff like that. And they were happy with that. And then they, they, they send funds and we go and uh, begin to do sugar cane. And once we just moved here and we went there and we have paid money for the sugar cane, we realized that now coronavirus has come in and, and people are suffering here. And uh, as we are uh, starting to go out there now to minister to people, we see things that are close to them that are also like uh, a business opportunity. And then we get into uh, stuff like fish farming and, and all that. So it, it just came, it just came, the whole thing was just like God had just organized things. We just couldn't see clearly. So we, we were doing here. Right now we have the sugar cane uh, plantation going on and we cut some money from the sugarcane so that we didn't put in all that we had decided that we are going mm -hmm. to put in sugarcane so we decided like uh, we could have bought uh, other equipments that we could use um, the money was enough to get the sugarcane land and and buy equipments and stuff like that but then we decided now we've got the land let us still rent the equipments but use this money here on put something on fishing and, and all that kind of things so yeah and, and god just continued to bless things so that right now we um 
we, we have a sugarcane going on, which will take months. Now, before we get the fruit of that, that will come from the sugarcane, mm-hmm. we already have uh, the fish farming going on and we are already selling fish. And uh, at, sometimes we distribute free fish yeah, to wow. those who are really down and, and cannot afford. And we also sell at um, lower price to those um, people who can't afford a higher price. And now that Nairobi is open, we are about to start taking some uh, to oh, Nairobi. And great. Then, yeah. That's, and so, so this, it, this it is really all... A, Go ahead. Yeah, it's, it really has a potential to, to go really big. Because right now we are also thinking of, uh, um, there is this place where we started and um, the, the, the owner of the place is, is my uncle, he's a uh-huh. good person, he's a good person, but he's, a, he's an elder at their church that okay. has been free, things have been good. Up until now, the fish, the fish pond started bringing in money and the church started to stamp the authority. And uh-huh. now they, yeah, so that has brought things there and we are feeling like just uh, be, being able to start another one in the areas that will be freer. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's how things are. Gosh, you know, that, that, so, that's heartbreaking that a church would come yeah. in because of the financial gain and yeah, start to hinder right. because, because you're not trying to get rich off of this personally. You're doing this to raise funds for the church to build buildings and launch, right. launch and plant other churches. As you said, you have 30 churches that are coming to you wanting training. The first sales that we, we did, we tied to, to that church. We gave our tithe to mm-hmm. that church, not even to our churches. Yeah. Yeah. But they felt like, they, they just wanted control of everything and take mm-hmm. everything. And it's just been difficult. Actually, now it was giving this past, this elder a difficult time. He was wondering whether to quit church and just go fully into business. So we said, no, we are the yeah. ones who will withdraw at some point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we are just trying to be able to yeah, start a, another one. And, uh, and now we have learned, we just want to do these things with uh, unbelievers and not, not connected to church. The, our, first, our first desire was to do these things alongside churches because we have been teaching in, this, in these churches, but now we are feeling like you know, if we do it with churches, let it be forward ministries where the forward churches are. That's where right. we have uh, the full freedom. Yeah. But other than that, we just work with, with unbelievers. It's easier. Than, yeah, because they, they're just... It's just a business deal at that point. You don't have the power of the church trying to control and all that. Yeah. Oh my God. It, it's, it's the same here. It's the exact same. It's the same everywhere. And it's just cause that's just how people are and especially legalistic people. So, well, we're, uh, <clears throat> we're about an hour and 10 minutes into this. I'd love to keep going and we'll definitely do another one. And I want to have you um, come and minister on a Sunday morning again through zoom, like you did before also, but, you know, maybe just to kind of wrap it up, if there's something on your heart ministry wise, it doesn't have to be a full message, maybe a scripture that pops up or, you know, just something that means something to you. Even if it's just the core message of what you preach, you know, I'd love to hear you share for a couple of minutes on, 
on what the Lord is showing you right now. Maybe even the message that means the most to the people that you're speaking to, you know, the thing that you've seen bear the most fruit. This, you know, because something that I, I remember when I came over there, I remember thinking, you know, I want to understand how Kenyans think. I want to understand how these people think and I want to understand how they see the future and, and their life goals and their expectations. And, you know, I quickly realized it's the same everywhere you go. I mean, the details are different. The scale is different in terms of, you know, what you have and don't have. Um, but people are the same everywhere you go. And people just want to know that they're loved by God. People want to know that they're free. People want to know that, you know, they can make choices and God's not bearing down upon them, waiting to judge them, you know, but they also want to know that they have the power of transformation to change their lives and to follow God who wants to be good to them and bless them. And, and so they can be to others as you have as well, you know, so, uh, what would, what would God have on your heart just to kind of close this with? Yeah. The, the message that uh, has really been bearing fruit here is the message of God's amazing grace and mercy in forgiving our sins and in empowering us to live a godly life. So we go out there and we speak to people and we are not like trying to change them. We're just t telling them about the goodness of God. Mm. And we tell them that uh, the work of salvation is on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. And it's not upon them to do anything. That Jesus did everything that is necessary to bring salvation to mankind. So when mm. we say this thing and, and people realize that uh, it's not up to them and people realize that you can be saved simply by believing and people realize that you can actually have real peace with god that you can know that between you and god there is no hostility that you can ha have the confidence to get into the presence of god and you don't need to brawl and cry and 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 feel bad about yourself and and confess for hours and that you can know you are a child of god the message that gives people the assurance that now are we the children of God. Even if mm. you have some struggles that you're working on, but you're working on those things as a child of God, that mm -hmm. assurance that people can know that we have eternal life. So this is the, the, the big thing about our ministries. We tell them a clear way that uh, doesn't leave them confused, doesn't leave them asking, have I done the right thing? Like what the Bible says, they asked um, Paul and Silas, what must we do that, what must I do that I may be saved? And we answer that clearly as it is in the Bible, that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And we yeah. tell them what it means to believe. So when we go out and share this message, people fall in love with God. Yeah? People just begin to, to love the Lord. And then when they begin to have difficulties in their Christian life, we tell them that the Christian life is just uh, lived the same way that you are born again. As mm -hmm. the Bible says in Colossians 2, 6, That's as good. you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk you in him. How did you receive Amen. him? By grace through faith. You just came to him just as I am without one plea, but that mm -hmm. your blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come. So he loved you so much that he accepted you the way you are. 
But now that you have been born again, he loves you even much more. He loves you now as a child of God so much that he will not leave you the way you are. He now wants to change your life, to make you more Christ-like, to empower you, to take you out of these things that are really destroying your life. So the grace of God inside inside our hearts is actually the power of God to enable us to walk out of destructive patterns of sin. So we show people how God by his grace that scriptures like the grace of God that brings salvation. That is the first thing. That's the the first thing between God and a lost sinner, that he may save them from a hell they deserve Mm -hmm. to a heaven they don't deserve. The first thing God wants to change in the life of a person is their destiny. They were headed to hell, but the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared, that it may change their destiny. Now they are going to heaven. Now on their way to heaven, this same grace is teaching us that denying ungodliness and all these kind of things, we may live soberly, righteously, and holy as we are looking forward to that blessed appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all these things is taught to us by a teacher, a teacher, Utah called the grace of God, the amazing grace of God that loves us, that forgives us, that helps right, us yeah. in our infirmities. So, yeah. Amen. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. I love it. And, you know, that's the thing is that the gospel is the gospel no matter where you go, you know. And as I was talking to Rudy out in Oregon, and it's the same types of things that he's talking about, too, you know. And and then uh, I don't know if you've connected with uh, – Paul and Donna over in um, the UK, which I've done an interview with them. It's the same, or you're in North, I'm kind of referring to people that I've done these interviews with. The gospel is the gospel and it is the power of God unto salvation. And that is our, that is our job. If you want to call it a job is to help people understand the gospel. So they will open their hearts. And if people will let God love them, then they will, be open to his transformative power, which is his grace. And I love it. That's the message that I'm on. I will never stop preaching that message. And I'm so happy to be connected with you and Leah and your churches and your pastors. And, you know, I've, I have foregone a couple of trips over there just because of things not working out, mom being sick, different things like that. But, um, you know, we're, we're ready to plan the next trip. So once your country actually opens up, which everything's on lockdown, but uh, I, I look forward to coming over there and, and just walking through the village. I, you know, I, I just want to walk through the village and hear the sounds and smell the smells and look and see the fish. And, and of course have the opportunity to minister, but to just, see the family, see you guys again and hang out a little bit, share some meals and, and, and uh, minister to, I, you know, I have to say as excited as I am about the forward church uh, ministry being built up and all of those pastors, it's going to be really cool to go up to Paca together and minister up there. I don't know. That's just going to be special personally. I just, I just feel that. Praise God for the other things too. I'm invested in those and will continue to be and want to and want to see that thrive. But I don't know, it'll just be a special moment. So, well, you know, we love you guys. We're for you. And and those people may not know if you're a member of Forward Church, you contribute monthly to Forward Church Kenya and in Rongai. And we just recently increased a little bit, but we would love to increase more. I know that George is building a, a home and retreat and training center in Rangway. It's it's in Rangway, right? Rangway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you roll the R there, Rangway? 
runway yeah just runway. just run yeah, okay yeah runway right if you forget if you, if you forget just remember it with the words wrong way wrong way <laughs> wrong way wrong way wrong guy wrong way <laughs> but so so you're building there and you know we want to participate in that and those that are watching um we have a way to give and um yeah, I'm just, I'm happy to be involved and I'm excited and I, 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 um, I'm proud of what you're doing over there. You know, it's incredible to see and watch and it's inspiring because it inspires us here as well to watch you go out and have the fruit that you're having and the impact that you're having with leaders, you know, because the impact that you're having with leaders is immeasurable of how that goes out and how the message is duplicated. And of course gets, God gets all the glory, but you know, it's just an honor to be a part of. So. Yeah. Any last word from you before we close off here? Okay, if I may say the last thing, uh, it will be about the building. Uh, we, yep. are, we are putting up a place uh, mainly for, it's a discipleship center. Um, God is using our ministry to be able to reach even the Muslims. And uh, we, uh, there are those of them that are getting saved, some in schools and some in, uh, in in places where people live, and we want to bring them here um, every month, once every month, uh, for one weekend, we bring them together and, and we teach them more because they, they, were, they are taught from childhood uh, a lot of that thing. And uh, then also we want to be bringing uh, this uh, Christian union, that is uh, those people in high school and in colleges that get saved and that are leading meetings in those places, in, in schools. We want to bring them in for one week when they close their schools and uh, just have them living with us. So we'll be bringing like 30 of them uh, at a time and they stay for one week and then we release them. Also, we want to be able to be bringing uh, pastors from our ministry and just to come for a time of teaching. The place where we are building this is where also we have the forward church in Rangwe. Um, so we will be having classes at the church and, and uh, then these people who come from far will be hosted in our, in our house uh, for one week. So we will be having pastors conferences uh, once every three months. And uh, yeah, so that's why we, we are trusting God for this building. And uh, um, we are now already uh, planting things so that we may be able to be to feed the people who come in there. So as Praise you God. think about this, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so pray much, for us. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So That's much right. to do, so much to do, so much work. And, and I will pray father, we, we thank you for the work of this ministry. <clears throat> we thank you for salvation. Jesus, we thank you for your obedience to the death of the cross. We thank you for saying yes, to bearing the penalty for our sin. We thank you for becoming cursed for us, for taking our diseases, for becoming our sin, for dying the death that we deserved and passing into the grave and conquering death, delivering us from sin if we would enter in through you and allow your grace to reside within us. And we thank you for your ascension with your own blood that we can just live eternally through you with our heavenly father, enjoying each other together where there's no distance in heaven with our future brothers and sisters. It's going to be, it's just so exciting to think about, but whether I speak life and blessing over George and Leah and the family and all the pastors involved and all of those that, you know, so I see, I see the Lord now and his spirit is going through those villages and he's preparing the hearts of people to show you favor 
to work with to be even more of a blessing in those regions. So even now in this moment, the spirit of the living God is active. He is going before you and creating favor before you to create opportunities for you to step into, to carry this gospel to even more people. So Father, I thank you that those hearts are receptive. I thank you that there's blessing on those people who say yes to you to work with Pastor George and the ministry over there. Father, I thank you that your spirit sees ahead and makes provision. Thank you for every project that's happening right now that your wisdom is received and applied. Father, I thank you for abundant provision, abundant provision, so they don't even have to worry about the financial aspect. It's just covered. We just speak prosperity, speak abundance for your glory that would be used for your kingdom. We just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I was going to ask, I was going to ask you to pray, but then it just kind of came on me. So I went ahead and prayed. <laughs> well, alrighty. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to end the live stream, but you hang on for a minute because I'm going to come, come back and we'll just chat for a couple more minutes and wrap up. So thanks for everybody for watching those that watched live. I see a couple of comments down here and then I know most people are going to watch it on the playback connect with George. If you haven't already, um, reach out to us, ask how you can be involved and support and, and just, you know, bless and pray for this ministry and, and come alongside them. It's, it's, there's incredible fruit happening and uh, we're honored to be a part. So thank you for watching. Love you guys.